Hey guys, Jefferson White here. I play Jimmy Herdstrom on the Paramount Network original series Yellowstone. Yellowstone is back. It's bigger and better than ever. Season five of Yellowstone is the biggest season yet. And uh, things are no different here on the official Yellowstone podcast. And so I've got a, a really, really exciting announcement for you coming up right after this break. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. This season of the official Yellowstone podcast is going to be bigger than ever, better than ever. Uh, and my first big piece of news is we are joined. Well, I'll let her introduce herself. What's your name? Thayer. What's that? Tate Turk. You she said Peter. Your name Peter? Do I look like my fucking name is Peter, you skunk-hard motherfucker? <laughs> we are joined by the incredible, the one-of-a-kind, Jennifer Landon. Jen, thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, Jeff. I'm ex- I'm so excited to be here. It's also, uh, it seems a bit ironic that the one person on the show that you can't understand at all is is now joining you for an entirely auditory experience of the show. <laughs> so in case anybody doesn't know that this is how I speak in real life, hello. Yeah, Jen. Oh my God, that's a, such a good point. It's so funny. Folks know you as Teeter. They know you with uh, Teeter's incredible, incomprehensible accent. Uh, what an amazing thing. Some folks are going to be hearing your real voice for the first time here. Yeah, uh, which which uh, I think very very well could be the case because as I've moved through the world and people have approached me, uh, one of the one of the first things they say is they were quite nervous as to pa- like how I would respond to them and if I would if they would be able to understand what I was saying to them when I said like yes I am Teeter nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny because in real life you're so uh, you have incredible diction and elocution i i think that i have i think i've tried to hide my california accent uh (laughs) for most of my life i don't know why i had a i don't i was born with some some sort of shame around being from la uh so yeah i think i almost drive a mid-atlantic at times um do you do you i feel like do you overcompensate now as folks come up to you and say tater no i think sometimes i'm like sup I think I just like go right in. People are oftentimes like very disappointed. They're like, they're like, hey, hey, will you call me a skunk haired fill in the rest of that sentence? And I'm like, sure, don't sue me. That's so funny. People want you to roast them. 
They do. That's funny because people want to roast me. Most people come up to me and say, shut the fuck up, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, and people want you to roast them. That's so funny. That is. Are we allowed to drop the F-bomb on the show? This is exciting. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jen, what an honor it is to have you here what what an honor oh to God. to uh to be co-hosting this thing together i can't believe it there's no one in the world that i would rather uh spend this time with than you jeff i feel the same way especially since i feel like we were torn apart by storylines uh, you know what you're i so mean right when have you're we so seen right. each other we were torn apart years ago now i mean it was two seasons it'll be two a whole season for the audience but we shot season four in 2019, 2020, 2020, summer 2020. Right. Yeah. And then we were torn apart a few episodes in. Yeah. It's funny while we were working on season four, yeah. I was at least up in Montana because Jimmy started season four up in Montana. Yeah. Now I'm really feeling the effects of the banishment for the first time. You know, it, it feels so strange to have been far away from you yeah. guys for so long. Um, well, you're missed, like not only in the bunkhouse on the show, but the vibe is not the same. I mean, I'm like, glad so- to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> can you imagine? Can you it's imagine if everybody was like, better. yeah, Jeff, the vibe is way better. We don't know what it's it was. Something better. was just kind of cursed about yeah. season one through four. Uh, and oh. season five, we're just having a good time. It feels like yeah. a weight has been lifted. It just feels breezier now. Yeah, about about two hundred pounds of dead weight just hanging around your neck for four seasons. Wait, well, I hope you're happy, Jen. You got we, what you wanted. Thank you. Hey, well, we're talking about poundage real quick. Um, like, I don't. And by the way, please, uh, producer, step in and the recording, and we'll go back. Jeff, can I? Can we like? Does the audience know that you have like? You are swole. Like your muscle gain is like overwhelming. Like there's no way that we can hit the word pounds without me being like Jefferson White legitimately put on like 40 pounds of muscle. Um, and then and lost it all again. That's not true. <laughs> that's not true. I saw you in a public setting, just to be clear. And uh, you are ripped. Oh, that's very very generous of you. Um, the audience, you know, they, they've got a lot to catch up. We know a little bit more than they do. So, so far we're staying a little bit ahead of them and they can have, they'll have their own relationship to my, uh, my Physique? body dysmorphia in a couple of months here. <laughs> I love body dysmorphia. It keeps all of us looking really good. Right? Oh yeah. Welcome to Hollywood. It keeps all yeah. of us looking really good and feeling yep. really bad. Really bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Jen, this season of Yellowstone, I kind of can't believe it. Three episodes now. We're three episodes into yeah. season five of Yellowstone. Just when I keep thinking we've sort of hit the ceiling, just when I keep thinking it can't get any bigger, the yeah. story keeps getting bigger. The scale and scope of this thing keeps expanding. Yeah. The very first thing that happens in Yellowstone season five, episode one, is John Dutton wins the race to be the mm-hmm. governor of all of a sudden the scope of the show expands from being one cattle ranch That's to right. an entire state. John Dutton is responsible for the entire state. When you read that script, yeah. tell me what, what was your first response to that? My first thought was, okay, great. How exciting because the world already, even though it existed, like you said, um, on this one ranch, the world already felt so big. Um, so the promise of it sort of 
expanding infinitely now at this point was exciting. It was also incredibly daunting. And um, because you weren't there, Jeff, and everything was breezy because you weren't there, um, you didn't get to experience that, like, the largeness of the world that we're entering into also made the largeness of the scenes really, really um, a sort of momentous task to take on uh, from a production and directing standpoint. I mean, there were so, there were these scenes where we had every single person basically in the cast and the entire state of Montana. It's amazing. And you see, it's funny how I'm always looking for the ways in which the narrative of the show lines up with the narrative of the process of making it. Totally. This is, it's one of these situations where for, for four seasons, we've had our own private little paradise out on the Dutton ranch. And then in season five, episode one, just like you're describing all of a sudden, the rest of the state comes to the Dutton ranch. There's hundreds of background and the Cowboys, the bunkhouse, you know, as they come out of the bunkhouse in their dress shirts and look at the scene unfolding, it must be a little bit like that in real life, huh? It it 100% felt like that. And it also, like, there were all these parallel moments. Like, for example, like, one of the points in the scene is, like, you know, the cowboys are, you know, we're cowboy jousting in the arena. And, like, we're the ones having a blast. They're not. And let me tell you, on the day when we were shooting... We were the ones having a party. I mean, like even in between takes, we're still going after each other. Um, I had rope burns so bad. Uh, I learned I learned never to celebrate by grabbing the end of your rope. I had rope burns so bad that I had to sleep with my hand elevated by like a window that was bringing in 18 degree air for about four nights. Um, but it was worth it, Jeff. Yeah, well, you it- describe, because I wasn't there. I missed it. And I'm, to be honest, I'm pissed that I missed it. Uh, will you please describe cowboy jousting for us? Yeah, uh, which uh, when I read it, I went, what's this? Um, and then uh, somebody showed me. It's basically, uh, it's almost like a, what's the thing where you're, it's, what's the thing where you run on the horse with the Jousting. Long... Yes, that's it. That's what I think. <laughs> it's basically jousting on foot with a rope. So you're running towards each other. Um, and it is really a timing thing. Cause if you throw yours too early, you could miss and whatnot. And you're aiming for the other person's feet. Uh, you got, you both kind of run full steam ahead. You don't chicken out and then you pull up and one of you eats sandwich. Basically. Yeah. If it goes well, somebody is doing a face plant. It, or, or both people are, um, or a, a tailbone, <laughs> a tailbone is getting broken. Um, I saw J rod who, uh, our amazing stunt coordinator, uh, I saw him, uh, lean over to the guy who I was going to be jousting with bless his heart. Who's about six, five. Uh, I think I, I called him Paul Bunyan on one take and he, and he must've whispered like, do me a favor, just fall really hard for her every time. Cause, cause I really like her and she tries hard. So, uh, you know, <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I bet you but, really got him. And this is another funny thing about you. I did you. a couple times. I was going to say, I bet you really knocked him the fuck over, to be honest. <laughs> because I, you and I you and I are funny in this way, Jen, and we kind of have parallel journeys in this way. You know, when we started working on Yellowstone, this has been a deep dive into a world that wasn't our world, you know? Right. Neither of us necessarily come from a, you know, we, we have, and we each have our own histories, our own backgrounds with this stuff. 
but neither of us come directly from the cowboy world, the ranching world. And we've had this journey over the course of the last five years, immersing ourselves in this. And I think you, you and I both have really, um, and, and our whole cast and our whole crew, all of oh us. Oh my gosh. We have tremendous respect for this world. We have tremendous admiration for folks who, who grew up in this life, this, this culture, this history. And so much of our jobs over the last five years has been learning stuff that we never otherwise would have had any exposure to and embracing it and, and uh, you know, doing our best to uh, to do this life proud, you know? Yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think what we both really had in common is that we were probably the least, I mean, you obviously came in season one, I came in say, uh, season three, but it felt like we both maybe were the least experienced of the group going in. And also you and I are, we're both kind of nerds you know, like we really hone in on a thing, you know, I, I'm sure you have, I, I, I imagine like we both could have some books on like the physics of roping laying around, <laughs> um, you know, and, uh, and, and also, yeah, the, the thing that Taylor really does so well when he writes is to sort of honor the world that he is capturing. And then he also instills that so much in us. Um, I worry about, writing um almost more than i worry about acting and that clip that we heard at the top you know as an actor normally you're just criticizing your performance but now you're just like really that's how that's how i rode that horse that day like <laughs> looking back on it years later i'm like it, it's 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 hum it's humiliating <laughs> it is there's a lot of you know you and i self-critical uh lifelong good students obsessed with yeah. uh doing a good job and impressing uh impressing the teacher this is a funny and you expressed this idea that i think really resonates through all of yellowstone is yellowstone the show itself is about these these worlds colliding you know right. the the west and the many forces sort of colliding with it in the modern mm -hmm. day, right? In the year 2022, all the sort of forces from outside the West sort of smashing into it. And this right. kind of almost biblical struggle between history and progress. And totally. so much of the experience of making the show represents this kind of uh, collision between those of us with acting backgrounds, those of us with filmmaking backgrounds, and those of us with ranching backgrounds, with cowboy backgrounds, with Texas right. backgrounds, Montana backgrounds. And Taylor Sheridan is somebody who embodies both of those things fully at the same time. Like he is totally. what reconciles those two worlds. He's a cowboy yep. and he's a writer and he's a filmmaker and he's a rancher and he's a horse mm -hmm. trainer and he's an actor. He in himself, in his body, reconciles that contradiction. And so right. I think the rest of us, those of us from the ranching world and those of us from the filmmaking, acting, television, film world, we are all sort of aspiring to contain within us the contradiction that Taylor does. Absolutely. So that that conversation is an ongoing one. I can't wait to dive into uh, the, these first three episodes in depth, but first let's just uh, do an ad break really quick. So that contradiction, those the contradiction, these worlds colliding, yeah, it is represented so perfectly in the struggle that faces John Dutton from the very beginning of season five. 
he all of a sudden has these new responsibilities. He's got these new sort of duties that are not familiar to him. He's out of his element. And how the question from the beginning of season five feels like, how can he reconcile his background, his history, his tradition with his new responsibilities <laughs> and right. all of the sort of forces um, arrayed against him? Um, which is a, a fascinating question. It really feels like season five, episode one is almost like a everything that came before this is almost a prequel. And the show it really begins on a new level at a new scale in season five. Absolutely. Um, and, and one thing I really uh, think is fascinating about this is also the introduction of all of these new characters. You know, starting in season five, we are introduced to new characters. And then also there's the amazing through line as, as John Dutton pushes forward into the future as we see him sort of accelerating towards the future, we're also pulled back into the past with these amazing sort of fully fleshed out flashbacks to this earlier timeline, you know, to a timeline that we've briefly explored in the past that we're now digging deeper into, into the history of some of our favorite relationships on Yellowstone, you know, these formative right. relationships, Rip and Beth a couple that we've been rooting for for five years. I The the, the whole Rip and Beth storyline and, and the way they serve it in the flashbacks in, in episode one, is it's one of my favorite things in the show. I think they did an unbelievable job um, in terms of the, the casting of Kai and, and, and Kyle and the way there's almost this, um, there's a visual similarity between the two of them. Um, so there's this real parallel between the Rowdy and Rip character. Um, we sort of, Rowdy's the character, you know, Rowdy's the tough one at the time. I mean, you know, by the time we show up, nobody's tougher than Rip, you know? And, and you know, in those flashbacks, we see that Rip is more meek. Uh, and I just love that those boys, while looking very different, did share some physical commonalities to draw that parallel. And I love that. Yeah, it's such a cool thing. It's like, you know, Rip has such a mythic quality to him. The Rip that we know, mm -hmm. he's gotten more complicated, of course, over the course of five seasons. We've started to see his humanity, especially as it relates to Beth and to Carter. But to totally. see sort of where Rip began, sort of the, the kind of origin story of this character that we admire so much is an incredible thing. And you're totally right. At the beginning there, he's, he's not so different than Carter. He's not so different than totally. Jimmy when we're first introduced to him. Totally. You know, he's this kid who's had an incredibly difficult life. He's faced many challenges and he's just trying to survive. The casting of these young actors who've also been on the show, I think since season one, I think in season one, we were first introduced to uh, Kyle Red Silverstein's young Rip and to Kylie yes. Rogers' young Beth. Talk yes. about ta stepping into some big shoes. Kylie Rogers is absolutely incredible i have she's such she's got an impossible job yeah that's the kind of job that uh i would be terrified of to try to step into kelly riley's shoes and she does it with such tremendous presence to be a young yeah. actor and to be able to live up to kelly riley's performance of beth um that's amazing <laughs> yeah she's she's incredible um that's that is a job that is truly that would be truly truly daunting but she she does it so beautifully and she doesn't what i love is that she trusts that 
she has enough in common with her to not hide any of herself. Like it doesn't feel like she's putting on a performance. You know, it feels like that's, it is something that is really coming out of her, uh, which I love. So it, it is such a cool thing to see these actors, these young actors fully embodying these characters that we love so much and living yeah. up to, uh, to be honest, I would be so intimidated to step into Cole Hauser's shoes or Kelly Riley's shoes. So I have tremendous respect for these young actors. Yeah. And they both, I mean, they both basically exhibit a maturity that far exceeds their age and is a maturity that exceeds ours, Jeff. Yeah. I was um, going to say a maturity that exceeds. <laughs> we hope in another 10 years that we will be able to have the grace. Yeah. Let's just um, say if they were recording this podcast, they would be speaking much more eloquently about yes. every sort of element of this dramaturgy. I, I also want to give a big shout out to Kai Caster, yeah, who who plays Rowdy, who we've awesome. been talking about. Because anytime you're coming into the fifth season of a show like this, it's a show that's like a behemoth. It, it's a intimidating thing. And these are young actors who carry themselves with such ease, with mm -hmm. such... Um, sort of quiet confidence. Uh, I admire it tremendously. So gr great job to them. I'm, I'm learning from them, from watching their performances. And I got to meet Kai at uh, Cowboy Camp this year. Uh, and, you know, we, you know, I figured he was playing Rowdy and I just fell in love with him. He was, you know, because Cowboy Camp is such a bonding experience. Uh, you're thrown into safe situations that are terrifying and uh and then you eat food together and bond over it uh and he was he was really one of the gems he was just such a gem in that whole process and and then i never saw him again because he exists in a different time oh it's so funny yeah there's <laughs> these parallel I mean? worlds right. yeah but that it also what's fun about it is there is a young teeter somewhere somewhere so in arkansas <laughs> while that is happening <laughs> And have you, that's true. I mean, have you, I mean, I feel like we're all actively trying to have Cole Hauser's daughter uh, play young Teeter, like at least in some sort of ex, even external to the show, some kind <laughs> of like role play thing who, uh, anyway, for another episode, we should just have her on because she's cool. And uh, I love that kid. Oh, she became yeah. a real friend, a real friend this, this summer. That's amazing. I feel like I I was I disappeared and I was replaced in aggregate with a bunch of a bunch of much better, younger, more interesting, cooler, more competent versions of me. It's a little strange to have like a group of friends who are children. Like Finn became a real <laughs> bud, and like it, it's very hard to explain to people. Like, no, we're friends. Like it's they're we're, we're, we're I'm hanging out with my friend. They're just twelve. Um, well, we got to talk about that for a second because because in episode five hundred one, we're yes. introduced to some familiar faces, some young versions of familiar faces. And then we're introduced to a face that is should be familiar, but is barely recognizable. Yes. Yeah. Which is Carter. <laughs> Carter has uh Carter's grown a little. Yeah. Carter played by the same actor, but at first it feels like one of those very bizarre recasts where they're like they couldn't find someone who looked a little bit more like the other actor. It's like a house of the dragon time jump. It's like all yeah. of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. He um he, you know, when I first saw him, uh, I think it was a day that we were just riding, you know, on, on days when we're not shooting and they're not using the ranch, uh, a bunch of us will go, um, ride and just work on, work on stuff. 
And gosh, he walked right by me and I had no idea who he was. And it wasn't until he opened his mouth and I like looked in his eyeballs and I was like, oh my goodness, it is Finn not so little anymore. It's, it's, it, I mean, and I have to say like he, we got to hang out, we got to hang out a lot this year. And that, that, that guy is so special. I actually have a Zelda game because uh, I bought a Nintendo Switch and he lent me his Zelda video game. I think he wanted it back before we ended, but I hadn't beat the game in time. So I still have it. I'm playing. If you it really right interrogate that for a second, Jen, that means that you've you've stolen candy from a child. I have stolen property from a young person. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, thinking, Catherine. Yeah, Catherine you, you're is saying his mom. it with like a friendly voice, but it sounds to me like you're a bully. That's uh, how you do everything in this business. What are you talking about? That's right. Yeah, you bully with a friendly <laughs> voice. Um, so so it is a fascinating thing, you know. As as season five propels us perhaps too fast into the future. A future that John Dutton is a, is wary of, a future he's doing everything in his power to resist. We are also propelled backwards into the past, so it, it really is a kind of fascinating duality. We're seeing what the Duttons are fighting so hard to protect. Yep. Sort of as we're watching them, you know, I hate to say it, losing the battle to protect it, as right. we see. As the Dutton's forces are spread ever more thin and their enemies are spread ever more thickly, uh, right. we're also watching the very legacy that they're uh, they're trying to protect. Um, I also just want to give a shout out. Listen, you guys listening to this, God bless you. You're going to learn something about me and Jen, which is that actors' favorite thing to talk about is other actors. We, you know, not to speak for Jen, God bless, you know, Jen, you got your own prerogative. My, my thing that I love most in the world is actors and acting. So over and over again, you're going to hear me gush about, uh, you know, some of my favorite actors in the world, which is our castmates on Yellowstone. And if you get sick of it, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm I, not very I, good at hosting a podcast. <laughs> you're fantastic at hosting a hot, uh, at hosting a podcast. And I was actually in agreement with you that whole time, but my connection on this podcast dropped out. Mm. So uh, while I was actually saying, yes, Jeff, yes, I agree. I love talking about fellow actors. It just sounded like I was a jerk and I was just, yeah, damn. It was like, yeah, it, it, just, you guys can't see this at home, but Jen was shaking her head that whole time. She I has nothing like, but uh, contempt uh, for the other uh, actors uh, on the show. Can, can I like, <laughs> I, I actually just like while we're talking about actors on the show, um, there were people who got some shout outs. Did you see the shout out that Jake Ream got from his performance in episode one? No. Who shouted him out? From Vulture. Yes. It was like one of the highlight highlights. It was like Jake Ream's expression of genuine bewilderment at the sudden drive by insults made me laugh. Uh, what the hell are you all on my ass for? I mean, it was one of like seven acting moments really pulled out. And for those of you who don't know, Jake Ream is not somebody who enters into the show as somebody with an acting background. He is somebody who enters into the show as somebody who is a cutting horse trainer and a wrangler background. And he is one of the best improvisers. And I think he's actually one of the most truthful actors I've ever worked with in my life. He is so funny. Yeah, it, it is really... Jake Ream has been acting for about as long as we've been riding horses, um, which is, you know, five seasons now. And he is he has gotten much better at acting much faster than we've gotten better at uh, riding. 
it's, that, it's not that, really fair. That is correct. Um, when we were, <laughs> never mind. No, no, you go, you go, you go. When we were when we were shooting the uh, this is just like behind the scenes when we were shooting the governor when we were shooting the governor uh, ball scene and we were in the very far background and we're just dancing in the background it was no problem I saw Jake Ream talking and I thought he was talking to the woman he was dancing with but then I saw that the woman he was dancing with wasn't talking back at all and then I looked and I see that he's got his head turned down he's got his phone in his pocket and he's in the middle of selling a horse in the deep background of the scene. And I'm like, I'm like, Jake. That's so funny. Yeah. It's really incredible. You can take the horse trainer out of the barn, but you can't (laughs) take the barn out of the horse trainer. A real cowboy would come up with a better uh, saying than that. I don't Um, think It really is. It is a pretty amazing thing. Cause it's also like also Ethan Lee. I mean like, so there's lots of really funny bunkhouse sort of sequences in uh the first few episodes of season five that have aired so far ethan lee is also getting his jokes in now it's pretty amazing i really ethan lee is also a remarkable actor and ethan ethan is an actor and a stunt performer in addition to being an incredible writer um so so it is really fun to get to see him do more to get to see all these characters that have been cooking for five seasons been simmering like a chili in a crock pot are now so rich and full of flavor, uh, you, which is a really amazing thing to see. You know, we have this, we talk about those parallels that are, you know, on screen and off screen. The thing that's crazy is that nobody knew that Ethan was funny in real life until <laughs> Taylor started writing him jokes. And now suddenly, like, he's become incredibly funny off camera. Like, we always knew he was lovely, soulful, wonderful, talented, amazing, smart. We didn't know he was hilarious. That guy's got zingers. They're coming out left and right now. He's got zingers. It, by, by season five, the zingers are flying all over the place. And it is, it's very funny in episode one there when, uh, when Jake is catching more than his fair share of the zingers. I feel bad abandoning him because when Jimmy was there, there was more than one person to make fun of. Now that Jimmy's out of the way, Jake is catching uh, more than his fair share of those shots and that collateral damage. So... <sighs> So we've we've talked a bunch about uh, John Dutton's new role as the governor. We've talked about what the bunkhouse is up to. Let's take a break really quick. And when we get back, we'll catch up on everything else. So we've, we've talked about John Dutton's new role as the governor, the new forces and sort of challenges facing him. We've talked about what the bunkhouse is up to. Another crucial although less, um, obviously less fun to talk about yeah. plot point of episode one is the, uh, the tragic loss of Casey and Monica's, um, child. That was heartbreaking. It really was. Yeah. It's, uh, it's one of these Taylor, Taylor's brilliant. He sets you up on these highs. He gives you a party. He gives you what you want to see. You want to see, you know, Rip and Beth, being romantic you want to see you know these victories the cowboys having a good time and then right when you're feeling uh safe and secure he pulls the rug out from under you and and drops you on your drops you on your ass um and and the the end of episode one really is that it's a brutal Mm -hmm. expertly acted expertly shot expertly sort of executed um sequence that reminds us you know reminds us that the west is these highs Mm-hmm. this sort of beautiful joyful you know community and it's also brutally difficult and challenging and punishing 
it it also sort of like you know so much of the episode like you said is about this this you know jd becoming governor and these sort of bigger things and progress versus this and all of these sort of um ideals and you know uh and esoteric ideas but this is something that sort of makes all of that in a strange way not matter because that's something that we can all relate to when there's some sort of devastating loss like that, that is close to home, that in particular involves a child, like for a moment, all that other stuff goes away. I mean, I know for me watching the episode, I mean, in that moment, it's like, that's the only thing that exists. Um, and it certainly puts a lot in perspective and it frame it just frames that whole episode really well. You're so right. It, it's fascinating, you know, these contradictions we've been talking about getting pulled in multiple directions at once as the scale of the show gets bigger, as the, it gets more complicated, as more and more sort of the conflicts get bigger, they're more legal, they're sort of harder to resolve. This sequence and this loss really brings us back to the kind of most intimate, most human, mm-hmm. most sort of instinctually painful on an animal yeah. level loss um that you can imagine and yeah and, uh, and taylor also like writes in you know some of those other simple intimate moments you know towards the end with with jd and carter for example um that moment where he tells them basically to stop growing up that if you grow a beard you're fired you know which is another thing that we is so simple that we all relate to in terms of just the greatest devil of them all sometimes, which is time. Um, this, this, this train that you can't stop. Uh, so he just grounds the end of that episode, um, in just really basic, uh, devastating or not so devastating human experiences. Uh, I, I feel like that's one of his superpowers. You're totally right. And that's an amazing sort of parallel to draw. It really feels like John Dutton is sort of drawing a line in the sand. Um, and then, you know, waves of time are just washing it away over and over again. There's nothing he can do to stop the that tide, you know? What do you think, Jeff, what do you, what do you uh, think about that last moment when Tate in the hall says to JD, uh, I had a brother for an hour anyway, and... Then he says they named him John. Oh, it's brutal. It's, it's you know, it, it's John Dutton in many ways. Many, many episodes throughout Yellowstone are John Dutton sort of facing his own mortality, facing the, the mortality of his legacy. So much of what he does is to protect his family, to protect generations to come. He's doing everything he can to try to control the future. Yeah. And this is just a little reminder that no matter what you do, no matter how hard you fight, you can't control everything and you can't, there's, you know, time, time comes for all of us, you know? Yeah. It also in, I mean, I actually, it's so funny in some ways I don't know because I haven't revisited some of these episodes because we shot them so long ago, but it also feels almost like a, a, a foreshadowing or a harbinger of, um, you know, as as John's focus gets out and elsewhere, there's a real threat to what he might lose back home while he's, you know, there's a real threat to losing, you know, almost everything it feels like. Um, 
And I just want to say our producer, who's been incredibly quiet during this recording, Scott, um, who's who's a pretty tough guy at this point in the little beat sheet that he hands Jeff and I, he actually has a parenthetical. He couldn't help himself. He had to write down that in that hospital moment, in parentheses, he wrote, I cried. So it was like amidst yeah. all of these very clean notes, like he was so overwhelmed with feeling. He he's actually, just, he's also crying right now. Right now. Um, you guys can't see it because it's not on video, but he's just, tears are streaming tears, down yeah. his face. He's, wow, Scott. Oh, this is actually the fourth or fifth time he's cried just yeah. during this recording session. That's a lot of tissue. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a scented one too. Looks like it's you, that with the aloe, so your nose doesn't get. Oh, that's red. nice. He's not going to get dry, irritated. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, that's good. You're, you're so right, Jen. That like the th- one of the themes of this season that we'll keep talking about as we now move forward into to episode two is that John Dutton has to go further and further away from home to mm-hmm. protect his home. He's getting pulled away from the very thing that he's trying to protect, um, yeah. and it puts everybody in danger. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't want to give too much away because I know we're, we're only in, you know, the first three episodes, but, you know, that feeling of missing him, missing Kevin uh, was also a thing that I felt this year. Like it was, it was something that my character sort of felt. And then it was something that I felt as an actor on set. It was like, you know, because of course, when you're shooting Yellowstone, people are like, how's Kevin, you know, and the answer is always amazing. And this year it was like, I haven't seen him, you know? And it was, it was this thing of, of really sort of, of missing, uh, the main Papa bear. Yeah. His presence, Kevin is a leader on set in the same way that John Dutton is the leader of that ranch. Yeah. And, uh, you were also saying earlier that you missed me. So I'm starting to wonder kind of like, was that, was any of that real? Um, was any of my missing you real? Yeah, I now you're saying it about you. Kevin Costner, no, American no, no, legend no, no, no. Kevin I Costner. Mi- Jeff, I'll be fully honest with you. It was much easier without you, but I did. No, I, <laughs> I, I did miss you. No, it, uh, I missed you horribly. I miss you. I miss you even now, Jeff. I can yeah. see you. You're a small. You look like a playing card, frankly. Yeah. Oddly, for some reason, you look. Where's the Yellowstone playing cards? I just came up. Do we have a 101 Studios? Are you hearing me? Do we have a Yellowstone yeah, playing happen. card? It's funny, deck. you know, season five, episode one, an episode in which Jimmy Herdstrom does not appear one time is the most watched episode of television <laughs> across all across all television this year. Which, while I listen, I want to root for Jeff. the team. I want to say, you know, go Cubs, even when I'm not playing, even when I'm not on the field. Jeff, uh, you are, like you are the ship that got us here. You are the sh- you That's are exactly right. you are the ship that got us here. Ship of Theseus. Um, mm-hmm. it, does it even is it even still the same ship now that the no. sails are gone? Um, <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Um, Yellowstone season five, episode two. A Great. lot of stuff is happening. There's a lot of, uh, and once again, part of one of the exciting things about this season particularly is these new threats, these new challenges, these new characters so Mm -hmm. in yellowstone season five episode two we are introduced to sarah atwood yes will you talk a little bit about dawn about the experience about your experience of this character this character who kind of leapt off the page oh my goodness um you know when i read when i read that character it definitely felt like okay 
it, it was just the promise of scenes uh, between her, between Sarah and Beth. It was like, it, we just, it was just this incredible, like you could, you just could only imagine what was going to come. Uh, that was one of the characters that excited me the most. Uh, Dawn is, I actually met Dawn for the first time four days ago. Uh, maybe it was five days ago uh, at the premiere, which I think we're going to get to in a little bit to talk about. But uh, she's so amazing. I've been, you know, I'm a fan of hers from 1883. Uh, I love her other work. She's just a dynamite actress um, and a really cool person. Uh, and and I was really excited. Uh, I'm really excited to continue to watch that character on screen. It's so cool. It's like, you know, we were talking earlier about Kylie Rogers having the challenge of stepping into Kelly Riley's shoes yeah. playing young Beth. How about how about Dawn having to step up to go toe to toe? It's like signing up to fight Muhammad Ali, you know? It's like signing yeah, up to fight Floyd Mayweather. You're signing up to go into the ring with the toughest, meanest fighter on the show. Uh, and, and it's an incredible thing. And she <laughs> rises to that challenge. It's a very exciting, very exciting conflict it brewing is. there. It is. Um, so also in this episode, I just want to flag this cause, uh, you know, we're introducing new enemies and we're introducing new allies, which I think is a, a really fun element of this season. So uh, an actor that I'm a big fan of joins the show, which is really exciting to me. And that's Lily Kay playing, playing uh, Clara, who's John Dutton's new assistant. Yeah, Lily's Lily's amazing. Um, and for people who follow the cutting world at all, the name Clara Brewer is going to sound a bit familiar because there is one of the best female cutting horse trainers in the world is Kara Brewer. Uh, and I think that that name somehow got into Taylor's brain and made it out onto the page. And Lily Kay is one of the coolest people I've ever met in my life. Uh, she would robot dance with us all day long, Jeff. Like you th- <laughs> it was just you and I awkwardly robot dancing, but like Lily Kay, she's going to robot dance with us. She's amazing. I'm really excited. Yeah. I hope we can get her as a guest in a later episode of the show because I'd love to hear about her background. I've been a fan of her work for a long time. She's amazing, um, and she she does an incredible job. Again, stepping into stepping basically into the ring with Kevin Costner, with Kelly Riley, with you know Wes Bentley, surrounded by these giants, these these geniuses, and and really holding her own. So I, I'm so excited to get to know her character, and I'd love an opportunity to to talk to her some more and get to to hear about her process of working on the show. Also, uh, just fun fact for the audience until we get her, Lily, um, you have no option but to come on the show when you listen to this episode. I'm letting you know. We're manifesting. We're manifest. This is positive affirmation. Uh, Lily is uh, actually has been riding horses her whole life and is a phenomenal rider. And uh, so the audience should look forward to that as well. Yeah, that's incredible. She's playing. She's playing the governor's assistant only on Yellowstone is the young actor who's brought in to play the governor's assistant also an expert writer who can hold her own. Yeah, I also have this feeling that Lily Lily is good at everything and somehow is not annoying at all. Usually the, t- yeah. the two do not go hand in hand. Well, it's funny because I'm good at nothing and very annoying. 
I'm sort of on the other side of that spectrum. God, you out self-deprecated me. You left me no further <laughs> insult to apply to myself. Yeah, I went nuclear right at the beginning. I'm worse yeah. than you because I couldn't come up with one. Okay, so uh, Jeff, I have a question for you. Even though, unfortunately, as we know, you were not in this episode or the scene, uh, I f- was curious what your thoughts were about the scene where Colby and Ryan uh, go out and hunt the wolves and end up in a pickle far greater than they expected. Yeah, the bunkhouse, you know, usually these guys, they're, they're good soldiers. They do what they're told. Usually, you know, they, they've got a few layers of excuses here. They're just following orders. This time they really, they really screw the pooch. So obviously, you know, they, they find signs that the herd is being hunted by wolves. They find uh, evidence of this. Rip sends uh, Colby and Ryan, Ian Bowen and Denim Richards to go handle it. Um, in the dead of night, they're uh, using thermal scopes to try and sort of quietly eliminate the issue. Yeah. Um, but because they're using thermal scopes, they don't see that the wolves that they're hunting are wearing these tracking collars, which means they're wolves from Yellowstone National Park, which means they are the most protected, sort of most sacred wolves, yeah. uh, you know, imaginable. So, so they're basically uh, really, really stepping in it and really causing huge ramifications, yeah. potentially huge ramifications for the ranch by killing these wolves. I think it's described in the episode. These wolves have Facebook pages. They're right. sort of, they are, right. they are like public and, figures. They're influencers. Right. And by virtue of the fact that they're tracking callers, they're going to be able to see where those wolves went and where they maybe started walking at a slightly stranger pattern. <laughs> exactly. So we've taken a lot of people to the train station who didn't have the benefit of tracking collars. That's if you've right. got a GPS locator <laughs> attached to you, you can't just you can't just get tossed in, you know, in a ravine somewhere in the, you know, the greater the greater uh tri-state area. So, so they've in, really in, stepped in it. In in many ways the wolves are a greater threat. Than, than any train station victim so far. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't a GPS tracking collar on the Beck also, brothers, you know? They didn't, right. They, also, they didn't take them, they didn't take the wolves to the train station, right? They took them, they took them to the river. Yes. Yeah, so, so just, in an effort to like cover yes. up their crimes, yeah. basically, they, they, uh, they toss these GPS collars into the river, hoping that they'll simply wash downstream hoping that they'll find their way back into the park and off of the ranch. Yes. However. Um, is it bad that are. all I'm hearing is the song, Take Me to the River? Yeah, that's right. Drop me in the water. That's a GPS caller singing that song. Oh, you know? it's a, oh. Um, um, no, in all seriousness, and it, it's a really confusing issue that no episode is long enough to get into, the, the, the wolf issue in Montana, and there are many different feelings about how to deal with it, and many different sides, and it's, it's, it's complicated and, and ongoing. That is, that is something that Taylor wrote into the show, and that is something that is very real and, and current for the people in Montana right now. Yeah, and it, and it's been you know wolves as a through line since Yellowstone mm-hmm. season one, like wolves and the question right. of these wolves, what they represent, both literally, metaphorically, imagistically, yeah. that's been a part of Yellowstone from the very beginning, and it does feel like in season five here, as the Duttons are increasingly distracted, you know, Rip describes it as uh, 
you know, Nero fiddling while Rome burns, hmm. um, you know, as, as they're increasingly distracted, mistakes like this are happening at the, the worst possible juncture. You know, the forces are spread right. more thin than ever before, and little mistakes like this start creeping in through the cracks. You know, mm-hmm. this is the kind of mistake that Casey, you know, Casey has a very specific sort of sacred relationship to these wolves. Right. You know, John Dutton understands John Dutton would never make this mistake. Rip right. might not ever make this mistake, but these decisions are having to sort of trickle down further and further as the forces are spread more and more thin until mistakes like this can start to sort of creep through. Um, yeah. And it'll be interesting to see. This is something that I think we're going to be tracking like a little GPS collar for the rest of the season, you know, to see how this, how this plays out. It, it definitely feels like the, the, the thing that's going to come back and bite you in the butt. It just feels like at every turn, this is the thing that's going to come back. Um, and so it has, I mean, I, I find that to be a brilliant writing device. And it does come back to bite them in the ass very quickly because in episode yeah. three, all of a sudden wildlife agents are showing up looking for these wolves. Right. <laughs> Um, and all of a sudden, yeah, they're they're engaged in this complicated, elaborate cover up to try to basically protect themselves from the legal ramifications of having shot these wolves, you know. And this is a, you know, it, it's a it's a big big crisis. It's a little mistake that can turn yeah. into a big crisis for the ranch, which is an even bigger crisis now because, of course, John is <laughs> governor. So it's one thing if just. A, 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 a very a massive landowner has it, but now he is he is in public office. Uh, yeah, it's a huge scandal for a governor. Yeah, basically, this could absolutely. cost them everything. It's everything. a little mistake that could cost them everything. I'm trying to think what the saying is: for want of a horseshoe, for want of a horseshoe nail, you know, Rome burned. It's all about Rome. In I'm all very these impressed sayings. with your idioms in general. Yeah, but I, I get like half of them. I'm always combining them. You know, two birds in the bush is worth. Uh, an apple a day. Um, listen, so also in episodes two and three, in, in our flashback sequences, we're getting more sort of, we're revealing more and more of the the history, the, the recent history of the Dutton Ranch. We're also seeing a sort of recent struggle that the Duttons had with, um, yes. with pesticides. We're seeing the mm-hmm. return of the king, Josh Lucas, as yes. young John Dutton. And yes. it's so fun. I love this moment in the Dutton history because Josh Lucas... Uh. John Dutton is transformed after having lost his wife. When we saw Josh Lucas in season one, it it was a, he had a sort of lightness to him, Mm -hmm. a kind of joy and ease to him. As Mm -hmm. we reintroduced here, we're seeing that the weight of the loss of his wife, the weight of the responsibility of managing this family and this ranch without his Mm -hmm. anchor, without his wife to help him keep his family together is weighing on him heavily. I really am so impressed and kind of inspired and like just just kind of awestruck by the weight that Josh Lucas is bringing to to John Dutton in this season. You really it's connecting the dots between the young John Dutton we saw in season 1 of Yellowstone and and yes. John Dutton as played by Kevin Costner um in season 5 of Yellowstone. It's a really cool performance. Yeah, Josh um, is like an incredibly thoughtful um surgical actor. Uh, and, and none of those choices are happen. Those are all very conscious choices. None of that is, is fluke on his part. He's so deeply thoughtful. It's such an exciting 
such an exciting performance. It really, I mean, all those actors in that timeline, that's, that's one of my favorite things about this season is getting to sort of explore that recent history, these characters that we know so well, getting to mm-hmm. see the forces that made them the way they are now. Also in episode three, uh, Sarah Atwood finally sort of uh, springs her trap on Jamie. So market equities and the many forces uh, targeting oh, the Duck Ranch. I know. They've identified Jamie as a kind of potential vulnerability for yes. the uh, the Dutton Ranch, for the Dutton, you know, phalanx to keep sticking with this Roman imagery. Oh boy. If you're keep a Roman- Just lean in, like, just go I know, with it. if you're like a Rome scholar listening to this and I'm biffing it left and right, <laughs> I never claimed to be an expert on Rome. I'm not actually an expert on anything. I'm just a moron, so I'm sorry. <laughs> Um, I'm sorry for what I said about Rome. Uh, listen, listen, listen. The point is that Jamie has been identified as the kind of weak link here, and Sarah Atwood is um, springing her trap. She's she's sort of setting into motion this manipulation of Jamie, which is very exciting because Wes Bentley, like no, but no character on the show has been through quite what Wes Bentley's Jamie has been through. No, no, and. It, what makes it hard is that Wes Bentley is truly one of the nicest people I have ever met. And also just funny as all get out. And those two things we don't really get to see much of. You know, uh, uh, Jamie is not a laugh riot. Um, so In season I, episode 501, he really gets me with that when he goes, we're all going to jail. <laughs> Beth is like, no, it's getting paid to a LLC in Utah. And, and Jamie's like, we're all going to jail. <laughs> it's very good. He's really amazing. Um, and then another very exciting development in uh, a very exciting sort of loose end here in uh, season five, episode three. Basically, Beth's feeling good. She's made a masterful power play to protect the ranch from market equities. She says, hey, fuck it. Take me to the bar. Let's go to the bar. And oh, everybody yeah. loads up and rides out and goes to the bar. Will you talk yeah. about that a little bit? Because I can't wait to hear what that was like behind the scenes. Yeah, I, I can't talk about it without talking about the moment before in the bunkhouse where she, she throws out the suggestion of going to the bar. And there was this amazing moment uh, on set where you know Rip is definitely sort of the boss that we report to. But now we have the boss bosses daughter telling us what to do and it's this incredible conflict of interest where we're like do we listen to rip do we listen to her uh we were all hoping that we got to go along with her and we did uh stepping into that bar that night was really was really amazing because they did such a great job of making sure everybody looked um and felt a bit like phony cowboys basically like me Um, and now I got to be on the other side of that sort of feeling some, not disdain, but just, uh, you know, I felt like they were a bunch of phony balonies. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it was another one of those scenes where you've got a bunch of, we've, you know, we've got so much cast in that scene. Of course, there's an amazing fight that breaks out. J-Rod choreographed that. That was incredibly fun. Um, we definitely, we definitely had some improvised moments in that fight scene. There was definitely a few takes. It's you know where it was like, okay, guys, improvise, uh, which is always slightly terrifying, but leads to some fight gems. Uh, but no, J Rod is actually just to not make light of that. J Rod is such an incredible 
uh, stunt coordinator. He's one of the most uh, uh, technical people I know. And he, he not only thinks like a stunt coordinator, he thinks like a writer, he thinks like a director, he thinks like an actor. He's, he's sort of brilliant. That scene was a blast. Uh, Dancing with Kelly Riley was a blast. And then of course, we have the great moment where the character Haley, who was, you know, played perfectly by Ashley Platts. Uh, Ashley Platts is lovely in real life and uh, just a nightmare of a character um, in that first scene and comes up to her. And uh, I, I, I got the best seat in the house because I sort of got to be almost like a parrot on Kelly's shoulder um, when she brought that bottle down on her head. And that actress, I mean, it was Breakaway or I have no idea what it was made out of, but she she took whatever looked like a real bottle and she took it on a head took it on the head and uh she she sold that real well so so beth you know can't help herself starts this huge fight it devolves into a massive scrum the cops show up break this thing up uh and there's this important sort of idea that's introduced here which is that there's a there's a new sheriff in town right so for the first four seasons sheriff haskell was an ally to the duttons a sort of friend to john dutton a right. longtime sort of supporter of the Duttons and their mission. Now we've got Sheriff Ramsey, who's mm-hmm. been played by uh, by Rob Kirkland since season two. He's the new sheriff, and, and awesome. it's a it's a whole new ball game now. He's not quite so friendly. Yeah, it feels like you know we're Taylor's ending on this note again of everything is sort of a new ball game at every turn. That that the things that were stacked in the Duttons' favor are no longer. Um, and uh, it's just another threat. And as uh, as the Dutton world expands, the threats around them get taller uh, and more potent. Yeah, there's more and more sort of holes in the armor, which is a really, I gotta say, Beth, not a great time to go to jail. At a time when, you know, John's resources are spread so thin, when they've got so few allies, Beth did not pick a great time to get thrown into jail for starting a bar fight. There was no world where that girl wasn't getting hit in the face. If it wasn't, <laughs> there was just no world where it wasn't going to happen. Yeah, but let Teeter do it. You but, know what I mean? Let someone who's a little, you know. You know, let, let, as I was, yeah, <laughs> when we were shooting that, I had that the thought as Teeter, like, you know, like I was ready to take this on. Like I was like, I'm going to, you know, and then, I, when she clocked her in the head, I mean, there was one take. I didn't even know it came out of my ha- mouth. She hit her, she hit her so hard. I went, Jesus. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it was she. She had it. I mean, Beth is the toughest female character of all time. She really is the wrong person to pick a fight with. And we're going to, you know, we'll see the consequences of Beth's actions, of everybody's sort of actions uh, moving forward. And we, we could talk about this forever. This is uh, three of my favorite episodes of Yellowstone ever. Uh, episodes one, two, and three here. Um, and I also, I can't wait to uh, to talk to some of these actors. I can't wait to dig even Same. deeper moving forward as the stories, as these stories progress, all yes. these exciting new plot lines sort of thunder forward. Uh, I can't wait to uh, to dig deeper and deeper into them. I, I just want to thank you very much for allowing me to join you uh, as a, as a host alongside you, I, I appreciate, uh, your guidance. I enjoy your company and I adore our friendship and I look forward, 
uh, to digging uh, into the episodes, interviewing actors, and hopefully uh, getting to talk with some people who live the life that we portray on screen and sort of get into the world that is the inspiration for Yellowstone. Uh, and hopefully, you know, eat some good food and get some good wine along the way. Hell yeah, you said it way better than I ever could have. Thank you for joining us on the official Yellowstone podcast. Uh, we'll be back very soon to dig deeper. Bye now. Listen to the official Yellowstone podcast every Sunday on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.